to come in and to be there with us in the fires of this life. God, you are a God of kindness and compassion, and you love us. And as Ben comes up today, God, we're trusting you to just speak through him, God, and, and that the, our ears, the cotton that so many times fills our ears, it keeps us from hearing, God, that you would pull that out and speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you guys stay standing just a minute? We're going to go right into the Word of God. How many of you are hungry for God's Word this morning? <laughs> Amen? Praise God. The Bible says man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. And this morning we are culminating eight months in the Sermon on the Mount. And so praise God for what he's done through his word in our lives through this sermon. But on the screens, we're going to be in chapter 7, starting in verse 24. And this is what it says. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. You may be seated. So I'm going to start with where Jesus ended. The crowds were amazed at his authority, <laughs> at the authority of Jesus. Why? Because he wasn't like the teachers of the law. Now, I believe Jesus is finishing this sermon with an invitation, a very important invitation for every single one of us and every person who ever lives. But as I thought about Jesus's authority I thought back to a month ago remember we had a candidate here Michael Homa and uh, who who's accepted the, the role here at Rimrock Church as a as an administrative executive pastor and uh, he's really excited I just talked to him um, uh, recently about moving here in October and starting in October but he took us to a passage in Matthew chapter 16 where the disciples are with Jesus in Caesarea Philippi and uh, talked about this encounter where Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter <laughs> responded with, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus said, Peter, what you've said is right and upon this rock I will build my church. But what I'm really interested in this morning is what Jesus says after that because he says, you know, people didn't reveal this to you. It's the Spirit of God revealed this to you. But then he said something really important. He said, the keys of the kingdom I'm giving to you. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And what he's talking there is about authority. Authority. And the issue for all of us in the Sermon on the Mount when we began is saying, are we disciples or are we merely part of the crowd? Because there was a lot of people interested in Jesus. <laughs> a lot of people were interested in his miracles, that he could make bread multiply. A lot of people were interested in the things that he was saying and who he was. But 
very few were willing to become disciples. And so the issue in the Sermon on the Mount is, is will you become a disciple, a follower of Jesus? Because it's one thing to recognize who Jesus is. It's another thing to receive his authority in our lives. And so I think that's the question. Have we given Jesus authority over our lives? Have you received the keys to the kingdom? When I started here a year and a half ago, they gave me a key to the church. <laughs> Access to the church, right? They gave me a key. And Jesus is giving us the keys to the kingdom. The question is, will we receive those keys? Will we take those keys? And will we receive the authority that those keys give to us? Access to the kingdom. And so that is, I think, the ultimate question of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus describes two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. And we've seen this throughout the Sermon on the Mount, right? This isn't a new theme. In fact, a few weeks ago, we talked about the wide road, the broad road that leads to destruction, and the narrow gate that leads to life. And just as there's two ways, there's two kinds of people. And Jesus tells us that he is the gate. He tells us he is the tree. He tells us he is the rock today. <laughs> and the only way to life is through him. And so there comes a point where we have to decide what we're going to do and how we're going to respond to Jesus. So two kinds of people. And I've given a name to these kinds of people based on what Jesus has said throughout the sermon. And the first kind is what I call the performer. And Jesus has talked about performance all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And not in a good way. <laughs> in fact, he said the way of performing is not the way of the kingdom. And performing is all about being noticed. It's about the outside, outward appearances. But it never addresses the deeper issues of the heart. And so Jesus talks about this kind of person as an unwise person. And I want you to notice that both these kinds of people, both these kind of people, whether the one whose house stands or the one who doesn't, whose house does not stand, notice that they both hear the words of Jesus. They both hear the words of Jesus. But what is, what is the distinguishing mark? One of them hears and puts into practice. The other one forgets and builds his life another way with other things. And so the performer looks good on the outside, but there's no transformation. It's faking it till you make it, <laughs> right? Here's the warning I wanna give as we talk about a performer. It's not our job to figure out who those people are. <laughs> Jesus said very clearly in the sermon, we are not to judge. That is not our role. <laughs> That is God's role. God is the judge. He alone knows the human heart because he is the creator of you and I and all things and he knows and sees all things. We don't. <laughs> we have skewed vision, skewed understanding. So as we're talking about this, the tendency is for us, our minds to wonder to other people <laughs> and think, oh, he must be talking about this person or that person. No, who God is talking to is me. He's talking to us personally. He's speaking to our hearts. It's not our job to categorize or judge other people. 
But we are to recognize fruit, Jesus said. And so it is important to recognize that what Jesus does in our lives produces outward change. There's transformation that happens, but it starts inside. It doesn't start on the outside. It starts on the inside. So Jill and I, my wife, have uh, traveled down to the Amazon several times, and um, it's an amazing experience and uh, I think the first time I went Jill and I went together and there was about I don't, I don't remember 10 other people and uh, the Amazon's an amazing place it sounds really cool but the reality it's a really hard place <laughs> to live for a week um, everything there either uh, wants to kill you or eat you <laughs> and uh, we were excited on this trip because there was a guy who had like a, a TV show and he was like an outdoorsman and he had like hunting, fishing, expedition, adventure. So he was going on this trip and he had a cameraman there and they were going to do this, this adventure show on this trip. So we thought, hey, that's kind of cool. We're excited to get to know this guy. And this guy had the look. I mean, he was a rugged, tough looking guy. He had all the gear and the lingo. And so we thought, man, this is, this is going to be interesting. But when you go out into the jungle, it's a different story because we were there was no stores nearby. There was no way to get there besides airplane or, or walking a long, long, long time or canoe. And uh, the only food we had was what the Waodani, the people we were visiting, could hunt or fish. And so we brought a few supplies, but we forgot salt on that trip. So uh, that, was, that was a bummer. <laughs> you don't want to live without salt. Um, but what we observed and we noticed is that this guy... Um, was different <laughs> when the camera was not on <laughs> because uh, he was afraid of some things, he was worried about everything, and he just didn't look like he was having very much fun <laughs> out in the Amazon. So on the outside, it looked like, man, this guy loves the outdoors, but the reality is he was not an outdoor enthusiast <laughs> on the inside. And uh, we've seen that, right? We've seen that about different people. We've seen that in our own lives, this disconnect between the outside and the inside. And that's a danger. And I think there's a little bit of that in all of us. <laughs> I think we all have a tendency towards acting. But this is what Jesus wants to rescue us from because the reality is God's intention isn't to harm us, it's to help us. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He's not here standing trying to point his finger and condemn you. He wants to save you. But he loves us enough to point out the truth of the human condition. And the human condition is one in which that we're really good at acting, but the inside can be really rotten. And when Jesus talks about our hearts. He talks about the reality of not just our actions, but our thoughts, our motivations. He talks about anger and lust and how we talk and wanting to get revenge and all these ugly, dark corners of our heart that are painful and hurtful to all the people around us. And so Jesus addresses that reality, the reality of our hearts. And God's plan is to save us. And not just save us sometime in the future after we die, but he wants to begin that salvation right now. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so he begins with our hearts transforming us, changing us into new kinds of people, different kinds of people that reflect on the outside what is on the inside. 
And that is what Jesus wants to do. And so the second kind of person that he talks about here is a worshiper. It's a worshiper. So if a performer is about being noticed, a worshiper is all about being known. Being known. Knowing God, our Father. Knowing others in open, honest, truthful, trusting relationships. This is the mark of a worshiper. Jesus said of this person, this person seeks first God's kingdom and his righteousness. There's a, a love and a hunger and a desire for the things of God and his ways. And from that comes transformation. On Wednesday nights, we're talking about a man named Abraham, uh, originally called Abram, but his name got changed. And, and Abram was not a perfect guy. And I don't think Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is talking about perfection. In fact, there is no one in this world who's ever going to be perfect. <laughs> None of us are going to be perfect. There's only one perfect person who's ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ. And so Abram is an example to us of what I think God is looking for in all of us. And what Abram had is not perfection, but he had faith. He had faith. Because when God spoke to Abraham and said, leave your country, leave your land, leave everything behind and go to the place I send you. What did Abram do? He went. <laughs> he acted upon it. And when God told Abram, I want you to take your son, your only son, your promised son, and put him on the altar, what did Abram do? He did it. He trusted God. And it says in the Bible that because he believed and trusted God, it was credited to, credited to him as righteousness. And this, I believe, is the mark of a worshiper. It's a person of faith, of faith. Faith is more than just assenting to things intellectually or knowing things in our minds. It's, it's the reality of putting our trust in God, putting our total trust in God. It says in Romans 4, 21, that, talking about Abraham, that he was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. He was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. And because of that, he acted upon it. He staked his life upon it. And that is what Jesus is looking for in us. <laughs> He's not looking for our perfection. He's looking for our faith, which results in us receiving God's grace <laughs> and his mercy and his love and all that is good. And so when the woman at the well encountered Jesus and she was struggling to figure out who Jesus was. And Jesus said, my followers will worship me in spirit and in truth. In spirit and truth. So it's knowing who Jesus is. It's understanding who he is. But it's also engaging our spirits, our hearts. Everything we are is given over to him. We belong to him. And so the Sermon on the Mount is ultimately about our hearts. <laughs> who we are what we love, what we desire, what we give our attention to. What is our, our treasure, our money, our time, our energy, our relationships? What does that ultimately point to? And I believe what Jesus is really wanting to transform in our lives is our relationships. We were made relational beings. We weren't meant to be alone. We were meant to relate and know and be known with others. Ultimately, first with our creator, with God, God himself. And it's interesting throughout the sermon, how does Jesus refer to God? 
as the Father. <laughs> That's a relational word. As our Father, who loves us, who knows our needs, who provides for us, who cares for us. Our relationship with our Father, one of trust and love. Knowing that He is good and He has our best interests in mind. He says, if He cares for the birds and the, and the, and the grass and the flowers, how much more won't He care for you, His children, whom He loves? You see, we were created for a relationship and so a worshiper is marked by their relationship with God. They hear God's voice and they act upon it. They respond to what God says. Their faith is fully placed in Him and Him alone. But Jesus throughout the sermon ties our relationship with God with our relationships with each other. <laughs> because the worst kind of poverty is not material poverty. The worst kind of poverty is relational poverty. When there's brokenness in relationships and those those people that God's put us with. Think about it. God's put you in a family as a child or as a son or daughter. He's put you maybe in a marriage. He's put you in a workplace where you use your gifts and your skills and your passions. He's put you in a community, a neighborhood. He's put you in a country, in a place, in history. And what God cares about is how you relate to those people around you. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is about, how we relate to God and how we relate to others. So instead of brokenness and anger and bitterness and using people and being abused and used, Jesus invites us to the place where our relationships are marked by love and trust. <laughs> love and trust. And our lives become a blessing. Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The kind of love that's not dependent on what people do or don't do or what we expect of other people, but it's an unconditional kind of love that loves people based on God's love. <laughs> that's not waiting or expecting what other people can do, but we love because God is love and he's in us. This is the mark of a worshiper. And so Jesus describes these two people as houses being built, <laughs> You're building your life. I'm building my life. Our, our lives are temporary. They're short. <laughs> but we're living and we're making something of this life that we've been given. And so Jesus asks us this question and he invites us to examine what kind of life are we living. And here's the good news. If you're in the performer category, it's not too late. <laughs> the door is open. The invitation is open. You can move into being a worshiper. The invitation is open. It's not too late. You can be a life that lasts, that built through the storm. Now, notice, both lives encounter storms, okay? A lot of people have maybe gotten this wrong, thinking, hey, if I follow Jesus, then life's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. Everything's going to go my way. That is not the case. Jesus was very clear that there will be trouble in this world, in this life, there will be trouble. There will be storms that will come and it's gonna happen no matter what. It's inevitable. It's inevitable that there's gonna be relational pain and job losses and economic struggles and illnesses and disappointments and there's gonna be internal battles and struggles in our lives. There's gonna be natural disasters. There's gonna be accidents. And if you live, if you survive through all those things, there's ultimately death, <laughs> okay? So 
The storm is inevitable. It's going to come. None of us can escape it. It's a reality. It's truth. And the Bible doesn't ignore that truth. It says it's, it's coming. The storm is here. It's there. It's coming. We will face it. But the difference is the blessing of God is available so that we go through that storm and we come out on the other side. <laughs> you see, that's what Jesus does. He changes our destiny. He changes our reality. And so our lives are no longer defined by the storm, but by the rock that we're with and that we're on. I love that Jesus is the rock. He is the one who changes everything. And nothing in our life is wasted because as you see this process of the storm, it has a, it has a, a purpose. It unveils who we are. It unveils our reality. It strips away all the outward performing, doesn't it? <laughs> and it, all we're left is with the reality of who we are. And so God uses the storm and he's glorified in the storm. I read a story about a group that climbed Mount Everest and uh, they, uh, they, 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 they cut a lot of corners and they were, they were trying to get up there and they weren't doing everything right. They took some risks and, uh, and, and what they weren't prepared for was a major storm, but that's what happened and many of them died. But one of the climbers survived and this is what he said, tragedies and disasters are not the result of a single decision, a single event, or a single mistake. They are the culmination of things in your life. Sometime, something happens and it becomes a catalyst for all the things you've had at risk. He's talking about a mountain climb, but he's talking about so much more <laughs> about the human life. What kind of house are we building? Because Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so when you've invested your heart into things that won't survive the storm, what will you have left? What will I have left? That's, that's the reality that we have to look at. What, what lasts? What's really important? What is the ultimate treasure? Because when those storms come, it's going to be revealed. It's going to be shown. And it's going to reveal who we truly are. And so here's the invitation. I love what Spurgeon says, he says, what a mercy that there's a rock to build on. <laughs> what a mercy, what a grace that God has provided a rock. You don't have to live this life without one, without a foundation, without a purpose, without an understanding, without a relationship. Christ is the rock. We could not have made one, Spurgeon says. We cannot make our own rock. We cannot survive on our own, but there is a rock. It is Jesus that is why Jesus came and that's why he's sharing these words with us this morning is because he wants us to know he's here, he's available. He is a rock that we can build our lives upon. This Saturday, um, we have this men's event and Scott, who's coming to share, um, I knew him and I kind of watched him go through a storm. You see, on the outside, he had it all together. He was living the American dream. He seemed to have all his ducks in a row. But on the inside, things were out of order. The heart had not been transformed by Jesus. And the storm came and everything was stripped away. There was nothing left except Jesus. But what I saw in Scott is he cried out to Jesus. He held on to that rock. 
and I watched a transformation begin to take place in his life. And all the things that he did before, he had to give up a lot of different ways of living and he began to learn new ways of living. Just like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, the practice. Because the person whose house is on the rock hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice. And I watched Scott learn about prayer and fasting and forgiving and giving and serving and not living the self-centered life but giving to others. And God began to change his relationships and change his life. But that's all of our story. (laughs) That's all of our story. We may not have as dramatic of stories, but the reality is if we've been building on sand, on our reputation, on our wealth, on our job, or identity of which family we belong to, or, or maybe what race we're part of, or whatever identity or thing or thing that we've treasured, a sport or hobby, Whatever we think gives us significance or will help us be successful or happy, the reality is all those things don't last. And when the storm comes, they will be broken down, stripped away. And so, what do we do with this? (laughs) What do we do? How do we respond to these words of Jesus? I believe what Jesus said over and over throughout the Gospels, and it's what the apostles preached throughout the Gospels, but the story of Acts is one simple message, repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We have to change our thinking. We have to change our minds. We have to change the direction of our lives because if we're building on sand, if we're building with with things that don't last, we gotta stop. (laughs) And we gotta receive what what God wants to give us and, and take those keys of the kingdom and begin to build a new kind of life. One that's not just about performing an outward appearance, but that is truly being transformed by Jesus Christ. I believe the invitation for all of us is that his life is available to us. He is the blessing. He is the one that we have to enter through. He is the gate. He is the tree that will produce fruit in our life. He is the one that will transform us and he is the rock that will give us a foundation, an identity to live on. He changes everything. He gives us an identity. He gives us a hope. He gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And you know what? All of that stays intact no matter what happens. Even as the storm comes, cancer, being fired, whatever it is, Jesus is with us. And so we go back to the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) The invitation to the kingdom and the kingdom way. And what did Jesus say as he went up on that mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
and blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you because of me, Jesus said. Because you can rejoice. <laughs> you can be glad when that storm comes because great is your reward in heaven and no one can take that away. Because in the same way they persecuted the prophets who came before you. And what did Jesus say? He said, you are the salt of the earth. <laughs> you have purpose. God created you with a great dignity and purpose and value and love. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He's given you his presence his very life in you. The one who spoke this world into being is in you. His life, his light is in you. You are the light of the world. Neither do you take a city, I'm sorry, a city on a hill cannot be easily hidden. And you don't take a light and put it under a bowl. Instead, you put it on a stand so it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. You see, what God is doing in you and me, the transformation, what he's doing has a result. It affects all of our relationships. We become the kind of people who love and bring blessing and bring goodness to everyone around us. So let your light shine. Let them see your good deeds. And here's the reason why. So that they may glorify your Father in heaven. You see, it's not about us. We're here for a reason, to be worshipers. <laughs> Not performers, but to be worshipers because God is worthy. He is worthy. There's nothing greater. There is no greater beauty, no greater thing than God himself. He is the ultimate blessing. He is life itself. And if we know him and we bring glory to him, then we have reached the apex of what God created us for. <laughs> why he made us, why we're here. We have a purpose. And God's glory is worth it all. Would you join me in praying as the worship team comes up? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of the kingdom that is setting us free from the, the false narratives, the false things that don't last. That you are are creating an enduring city, a continuing city, a continuing place for us that will last forever. Eternal joy, eternal hope, eternal love. Lord, I pray for those here who are examining their own hearts and are, they're saying, I've built my house, my life on sand. Lord, help them to see that you're not condemning them, but that this is the day of grace. Today is the day of salvation. Give them the faith to reach out, to cry out, to receive from you today. And I pray for those who are disciples here this morning, that they would not be discouraged, but they would be encouraged, that the kingdom is being unleashed and that the keys of the kingdom are in their hand. And they have the authority and power of Jesus to go into all the world and to make disciples, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach others the ways of the kingdom. So Lord, help us to be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Amen.